Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy God, we praise you and love you. We adore you. And we thank you that you have conquered death, Jesus, by rising from the dead. And I thank you, Lord, that you give us the grace, you give us the call to enter into this world, not to hide from it, but to enter into this world to be salt, light, and leaven. And Lord, I ask that the Spirit of um, your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the resurrection, would be alive in us. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would be at work anointing us for the uh, call of the moment. You would anoint us for the task of today, that you would uh, give us a sense of uh, alertness, of readiness to respond in, in whatever way, Lord, you are asking. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Had a few interesting stories just from the last, well, not even the last 24 hours, the last eight hours, <laughs> talking to um, three of my four oldest girls. Um, and in each of them, they were showing me by their conversations um, the reality that um, the kingdom of God is at hand, that Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God, and that that kingdom breaks into our world. When that kingdom breaks into this world, which is still groaning under the, the pains of original sin and personal sin, and that means also our lives. It's not just the world as like a physical reality, but our worlds have not yet fully realized the gift, made real not just recognized, but made real, the gift of Christ's victory over sin and death, this means that there is a bit of a battle going on. There's some warfare that is being waged. And the Lord, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, is saying, is commanding, I will continue to be at work I will continue to operate in the world through my people, through my body, through those who say yes to me and are following me as my disciples. That's us. And so isn't that a really powerful thing to think about? That there is a, a value, a dignity, a a. a, a even a glory involved, I like that that word, there's a glory involved in fulfilling that mission of proclaiming God's kingdom. I mentioned three conversations. The first one I'll mention is with my fourth daughter, Ariana. She is a senior at the Oaks, and one of the things that they do as a culminating project at this classical Christian school, which I say is the most Catholic school my kids have ever attended, um, at this Oaks Classical Christian Academy, they put together a senior thesis where they are to bring together what they have learned in the methods of the trivium, which so the grammar, uh, logic, and rhetoric. And so as my daughter has um, drawn upon these disciplines, these different methods of learning and growing in the capacity to learn and to love learning, uh, it culminates in a project where you pick a theme and you then, or a thesis, and then you 
uh, present it, you present arguments against it, you present the counter arguments, and and you're attempting to move your audience about the um, about the thesis that you've chosen. Well, Ariana said, "Dad, would you like to read my thesis?" And it uh, she's been kind of keeping it pretty close to the vest, not really sharing with me. Uh, I, I knew the overarching theme, but this was my first chance to dig into um, her her theme, her thesis. And her thesis is, why are not more followers of Christ, more Christians, proclaiming God's kingdom? Why don't Christians evangelize? And she explores this theme of the importance of the Great Commission of evangelizing and explores reasons why we don't evangelize it. And she begins with a, a story. I'm not going to go too far into this, but just to say the story she begins with is a pretty striking one, and it's it's fictitious, but you can imagine it characterizes um, it characterizes a um, uh, a number of people's lives, and it's essentially a person who's lived uh, a life that fell away from God, fell away from the practice of faith, fell away from church attendance um, at a very young age, basically lived their whole lives, his whole life, for his own purposes, for his own uh, empty uh, empty uh, pursuits, and then at the very end of his life, comes stumbling into the church and comes back to faith, returns to um, returns to uh, church and to a commitment of his life to the Lord and um, reconciling with God and with the church. And uh, the cry that comes out of his mouth is, um, I've wasted my life. I've wasted my life. Why didn't I spend my life pouring my life out for Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. Why didn't I spend my life generously giving all that I have, all of my energy, to the proclamation of Jesus Christ as the Redeemer sent by God, the Son of God, sent to rescue us from sin and all of its consequences, ultimately in death and separation from God. So there's the opening story. And that story then leads into the question, why don't we evangelize more? Why aren't we out there proclaiming the gospel? Because even though this story is fictitious about this guy, there are people like that all around us. People all around us who may not be ignorant of the gospel in terms of saying, oh, I've heard of Jesus, I know the Bible, I've gone to church, but no longer adhere to faith, no longer are giving themselves over to uh, the uh, the way of life that honors Jesus Christ and his gospel, N- not really seeking to proclaim his kingdom, but are what's swept up in the pursuits, swept up in the trends, swept up in the uh, the politically correct or attractive trends of the moment and are being led into darkness and confusion and death. And so, Just to say, I'm really proud of my daughter that this was the thesis topic that she chose for herself and is uh, putting a little bit of flesh on that, uh, on that message by taking this next year and 
devoting it to going and proclaiming God's kingdom, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, around the world as part of this group adventures in missions. Oh, oh by the way, bottom line, <laughs> what she ends up coming to as like, what's the core reason why? We don't proclaim Jesus Christ with more boldness and fervor. Why don't we proclaim the kingdom of God with greater a greater sense of urgency and generosity? Is, drumroll please, we haven't had a profound encounter with Christ. The more profound, the more vibrant, vital, and uh, radiant is the inbreaking of Jesus Christ or the, or the Lord God, the mighty God, into our lives, the, the more vital and vibrant the encounter with the living God, the more that our lives are changed and we become caught up in, uh, swept up in the desire to preach Christ and Him crucified. And isn't that true? I, I know that that's true in my life. I know that that's true in my own life, that I grew up in a very Catholic home, very, uh, uh, let's say, what's the word, serious um, and uh, strict Catholic home, (laughs) preserved me from a lot of harm and danger, a lot of evil, but it was strict, it was a bit severe, Um, and it it, it kept me on the straight and narrow, if you will. But it was the encounter. It was the encounter with Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, in adoration, when I was at a point of uh, striving to um, uh, find answers to questions about the faith that were being proposed and posed to me from friends of mine who were talking about Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior and I didn't have an answer for that. And so I came before the Lord and all humility cried out, Jesus, if you're there in the Eucharist, please reveal yourself to me, show yourself to me. And everything changed for me. Um, and again, I had been living a pretty good moral life. Now a lot of it was probably a bit Phariseeistic, meaning um, just sort of justifying my own way of life by my own efforts rather than by God's grace and uh, and and leaning on God's mercy. Um, so, but after that encounter, then everything changed. Uh, and, and again, part of what changed was the perspective I gained, the consciousness that I gained, the awareness that grew in me of the way that the Lord had been at work in my life up to that point. Okay, did you hear that? It wasn't that I encountered Christ for the first time. It was that I encountered him in a new way, in that new way, that more profound, intimate, personal, uh, transformative, life-changing encounter with Christ shined a light backwards onto my past, onto my family history, and my own walk of faith in, in the little um, sort of remnants of it, the crumbs of it, the the elements of it that were signs of, oh, wow, the Lord was there all along. Wow, the Lord was with me all along. and He was there when I had that sense of his presence at Mass that time, and he was there when I heard that homily, and it really stuck with me that time. It was it was there when I was drawn to read the Bible that time. Uh, he was there when I received him in Holy Communion. He was there when I went to confession, and I had that strong sense of, of guilt in, in having let the Lord down. So, the encounter with Christ that was so transformative not only 
shined a, a bright light on the future path that I would take, but also sh- shone a light backwards into my past to help me realize that he was there all along. However, let's come back around to it. It's the encounter with the risen Lord Jesus that changes everything. If you were listening to my programs last week, you heard me talk about the encounter with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and that changed everything from them. They went from conflict to running back to tell the apostles at night after a seven-mile journey to Emmaus. It was the encounter with Christ that transformed them into these fearless apostles. It was the encounter with the risen Lord Jesus that transformed Mary Magdalene at the tomb. She ran to the apostles, and then Peter and John ran to the tomb. Right, So it was, it's the encounter with Christ, the risen living Lord, that changes everything. Uh, also, in the book of Revelation, right, you have these uh, readings that, that are referencing the book of Revelation these days as well. And in them, well, at the very beginning, in chapter 1, you have the encounter that John has on the Lord's day. He's taken up into the presence of the Lord in heaven. And he turns and has this encounter with the living Lord Jesus in Revelation 1. And and John lacks words to describe the brightness, the radiant glory of of Jesus, the risen Lord. He's so, uh, the, the brightness of his glory is so overwhelming that he's using all this language to describe uh, that his face shone brighter than the sun at its brightest, right? All of this language that when you encounter the living God, it changes everything in our lives. So um, thanks be to God. Right? Thanks be to God for uh, my daughter um, saying, I, I want to pursue this theme in my thesis, and uh, I want to pursue this in my life. Let this be the let this be the paper that I'm writing with my life in going forth on mission. And and here's the beautiful thing: she has no idea what she's getting into. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, she's seen the videos, and her o- oldest sister did this three years ago, and so she obviously has the stories and the videos, and she's met a number of the the uh, the women that were on her team, and and even some of the men, and. Uh, and she's seen the impact that it's had on um, my oldest daughter, Mary Grace's life. Um, and it's not making her shy away, but what she doesn't realize is how she's going to encounter Christ in the very act of proclaiming the gospel of Christ. She's going to experience Jesus Christ in a whole new way as she begins to be available as a vessel for proclamation. Okay, did you hear this? This is like an important theme here. We become aware of the encounter with Jesus Christ, not only when we're before him in adoration, yes, please do that, yes, please do that, yes, please do that, but we'll become aware of Jesus Christ at work in our lives as we allow him to speak through us. We become vessels of his proclamation. I have another story about that in just a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. And I love hearing from you. If you have a message for me about Sound Insight, something that you'd like me to know about the programs, a theme you'd like me to cover, a guest you'd like me to have on, some topic that you think would be important to discuss, please go to mycatholicfaith.org. Mycatholicfaith.org, right there, you'll see on the page, contact Dr. Tom Curran. I would love to hear from you. I love feedback. Um, And I get lots of feedback. And sometimes when the feedback is 
not that pleasing. I take it to heart. I really do. I respond to as many people as I can who reach out to me. You can just email me as well, tom at mycatholicfaith.org, tom at mycatholicfaith.org, or just go to mycatholicfaith.org, click on contact Dr. Tom. Uh, And I mentioned before that I'm also being of service today. Part of my mission in this moment is to serve people as a real estate agent. So if you or someone you know, a family member, would want to draw upon um, an agent, I can serve both in the state of Washington and in the state of Idaho. I can help you uh, list your house for sale or I can help you buy a house. I can do that on the west side. If you're in the Puget Sound area, I can do that over here. Yes, indeed, I'm able to do that. And uh, I'd love to be able to have the opportunity to talk with you about that or a family member. So if you or someone that you know or love would want to draw upon the expertises that I've used to serve CEOs um, and business owners for 25 years, I'm bringing that to bear to homeowners. Uh, And it's also something that I've done personally and privately for about 25 years, bought and sold homes. So I'd love to be able to bring that expertise to be a blessing to you and done in the context of faith. Because that's a big deal, and this is a big moment in the economy, and lots of folks are wondering whether they ought to sell their home now, whether they ought to move now because of circumstances and things unfolding, whether it's in the school systems or in a job situation or just in your life, if it's time to to, to change your, your your life setting. I love to help discern with that. I love to help process uh, and coach you along. And help you write, make the right decision. So if I could be a bl- blessing to you in that, please reach out to me. You can reach me again at tom at mycatholicfaith.org. Or just go to my website, mycatholicfaith.org, and you can contact me there. Okay. So I mentioned these stories, three stories, that all come from today, talking to my daughters. One was my fourth daughter, uh, Ariana, and about her paper on her thesis, which is on why don't we evangelize more? Why don't we proclaim the gospel more? And her answer, uh, at the end of the day, it's it's the excuses we put up. Uh, I'll get blown away if we've had an encounter with Christ that blows us away. Then that's our passionate pursuit is Jesus. And one of the most powerful ways that we begin to encounter Jesus is when he's at work through us when he's at work through us. So it's my second conversation today. So with my daughter, Mary Grace, she's actually helping me on a video project. She's actually helping me edit a video for a house that is going up for sale on Thursday. And so putting some of the final touches on the video, she's really, really talented as a videographer. And um, she also is in the midst of finals um, at her school. And she's down in, um, in Oregon, just outside of Portland, at a Christian school called George Fox University. And uh, she it lives with some of the women that she was on mission, uh, mission with. And she was just sharing about some of the powerful uh, encounters she's had in her school um, because of her own willingness to evangelize, her own willingness to share the gospel. And I've talked a little bit about that before. It's on its side. I don't want to repeat a story. But just today, she was saying that there is a class that she's in, um, and there was a young lady there that um, when she brought up a, a, a theme in, um, uh, that was very popular today in the culture that is, is not godly and uh, about sexuality and, and sexual orientation and all of this, she had a chance to present the, the Catholic Church's teaching um, in a way that was 
um, compelling and convicting. And uh, she sensed that there was something going on inside this young woman. And so she reached out to her and just um, let her know she's praying for her. And, and, and she evangelized. And I just thought that was really beautiful. And she said, you know, I love doing that. I love bringing the gospel to people. And if I see someone around me that I'm sensing, oh, the, the Lord is drawing my attention to that person, I'm going to bring them the gospel. I'm just not afraid. I don't want to miss that moment, the moment that would pass where, oh, she's probably not going to be in my class again. We're probably going to end up in different directions. I may not you know, bump into this young lady uh, at the school maybe ever again, and, and this is my moment. And I, I love that because it, it connects to the story of my daughter Ariana that she began her thesis with, which was a guy who said he wasted his life because he spent it on the things of the world and had not spent them on Christ and on pursuing and honoring Christ in his life. And I want to contrast that with a life lived that is spent being available to the Lord. A, a, a life spent saying, Lord, I'm available if you would use my life today to bring the gospel to someone. Lord, Lord, I'm available. Okay, so here's the thing. Let's, let's make this real. Let's make this real for you and for me today. So um, today you're, you're going to meet people, most all of you. Most all of you, you're going to meet people. Now, maybe some of you, your only meetings with people are going to be on the phone or through the Internet. But for the most part, you're going to encounter people today. Some of you, it's just going to be running errands at the store, uh, you know, uh, going out to eat, maybe meeting a friend, going to church, right? But did you ever think that wherever you're going, wherever you're going, it's not just um, uh, worldly, mundane, uh, pra practical purposes that could be at stake in, in whatever it is you're doing. But I want you to imagine that the Lord, he also can be at work in that. He also just might be at work in that. Ooh, it might in fact be that he is at work in that and he's waiting for you to become aware of that so that you can be useful to him. What are you talking about, Tom? How can I be useful to Jesus in some of these different settings? Let me give you an example. Uh, earlier today, I was picking up my daughter from uh, the Oaks. She had a ballet class. And um, just the way things would have it, I was driving home from a meeting, and Carrie called me and said, hey, I don't know where you are. I said, well, I'm, I'm she said, Ari, Liliana needs to be picked up right now. And I'm like, I'm like five minutes away from the school. Just like wow, what beautiful providential timing that my meetings ended, my drive back had, had me literally get off the highway at a road I normally don't get off that would bring me right past the Oaks. And wow, look at that. And so that could just be like, wow, what a wonderful coincidence. Well, I ended up um, parking the car, going inside, 
and was waiting for her to finish up her ballet class and came back out. And there was a guy there who was waiting for his daughter to finish play practice. And, and so we ended up just visiting for a bit. And it was totally one of those random things. I happened to park the car, you know, right next to his. Um, I happened to have to be waiting for my daughter because the class went a little bit long. He was waiting because the play practice had gone a little bit long. And it ended up being a moment where it was just like, hey, hey, how's it going? And we just started talking. And the funny thing was, is that it became a conversation about Christ. <laughs> Isn't that cool? And how did that happen? I didn't steer it that way. Uh, it was that he was a dad of a daughter that was on the basketball team that I was coaching. And he, we just started to, to chat a little bit about that. And all of a sudden, he just went into this um, different direction. He just started talking about his men's group and how he brought to his men's group um, some of the ways that he saw me at work lifting up the girls, celebrating, affirming them, and how this was something that uh, as men we are called to do. And it was very, he said it was very glorifying to Christ the, the way in which this season unfolded, it was very glorifying to Christ. And it was, it was beautiful to me for a couple of reasons. The first was that um, it was the Lord giving me a gift. And the gift was that um, he was giving me the gift of receiving a message that what I was hoping to achieve by coaching had in fact occurred, at least for this man. And, and with, for his uh, man and his wife and with their daughter, uh, it was mission accomplished. And that made me happy. It was just like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that little glimpse, the little glimpse, because I think sometimes we all need to be encouraged, right? We, do, you, do you ever need to be encouraged to think that you're doing what's right? You're doing what's honoring God and glorifying God? Yeah, what a beautiful thing. Well, it just naturally flowed in this conversation. He, he didn't force the conversation down this direction, but he used the opportunity to share a bit of good news with me. It was beautiful. It was, it was, uh, it was very life-giving. Um, it felt it was very refreshing. You can do that. My brothers and sisters, you can do something like that. You've heard me talk about the importance again and again of, of being able to lift up, to celebrate, to, to honor, to affirm the, the way that you see God at work in someone's life, the way that you see that person being a gift, the gifts that that person has, being able to affirm someone in the natural flow of a conversation is very powerful. It, it brings the light of Christ into this world. So when I say to you, okay, now the kingdom of God is breaking into this world. The kingdom of God is at hand and Christ is going to be at work bringing his kingdom into this world, into your world through you, that, oh, that means you're going to have to go study a lot of theology. That means you're going to have to be ready to answer people's objections to the faith. That means you have to be ready to pick up your cross because you'll probably be persecuted. I'm not talking about any of those things right now. Now, any one of those things might have to happen in certain circumstances, but I'm talking about the great majority of us have right in our hands easy opportunities to simply say, Lord, Lord, I'm available. 
Lord, I'm ready. Lord, if you would use me to be a conduit of your light, of your truth, of your life, in the places where I'm going today, please, Lord, I'm, re- I'm here. I'm available. I'm ready. Just give me that sense. Just give me that little nudge. Give me that little internal impulse. This is where discernment comes in. Just give me that sensitivity to your Holy Spirit prompting me, nudging me to go talk to this person, to go say this to that person, to say a prayer for that other person, to take this other action that is going to to be a kindness. It's going to extend myself a bit, but it's going to be a kindness. Do you realize that? That is it. That is, it's a simple and not insignificant way that we witness to Jesus Christ in this world. So you can do that. Now, it can go deeper. And as you become more comfortable with this, the Lord just might refine and form in you a greater comfort to speak a bit more boldly to speak into a situation with a little bit more clarity, with a little bit of conviction or strength. Last week I was talking about that, right? the call that we have through baptism and in the spirit of Easter to be priest, prophet, and king. You're anointed. You've received that sense of strength that comes from God to be priest, prophet, and king. And so this is not meant to frighten us. But this is meant to be something that is exciting to us. And so I am saying to you, as you launch into your day today, just say, Lord, Lord, if you'd use me today, I'm available. Just help me to know when it is you're asking me to do something. And please, Lord, make it easy and clear for me to get a a greater awareness of what you're asking of me and give me the grace to do it. Give me the grace to say yes to it, right? So that's that's living the Acts of the Apostles. A little bit later, maybe later in the week, maybe into next week, I'll talk quite a bit about Acts chapter 3 because it's the story of Peter and John going up to the temple to pray and they meet the man who is lame asking for money. So... I'll use that example to break open more fully the call that we have as Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus Christ to be useful to the Lord. So I will get there eventually, um, but I'm going to come back around to the third story. Because the third story brings up the other element of spiritual warfare. So right now when we talk about being available to the Lord— available to the Lord. Um, one way that we do that is by saying, Lord, I'm available. If you um, if you would use me, just prompt me, and, and I'll say yes in advance. I'll say yes in advance, Lord. If you're asking me to do something, I'll do it. I will, I will speak your word. I will pray for people, etc. But the other way of doing it is to wake up in the morning and saying, Lord, today I will do something I will say something. I will speak about you to others unless you stop me. <laughs> it's not a great way of looking at it. All right, I'll pick up on that point in a minute on Sound Insight. 
Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carn. It's great to be with you today. It's the Easter season. That means we are called upon to be those who are ready to do what? Now that we've been purified from these attachments to the slavery of Egypt, now that we've been prepared and formed through spiritual disciplines to uh, prepare ourselves to enter into that promised land of good things, all because of Christ and his spirit alive in us, now we enter the promised land, and now it's time for battle. You see, when the Israelites entered the promised land, they didn't just get to enjoy the milk and honey, they had to battle. Last week I talked about battling as priest, prophet, and king. Today I'm talking about the battle that exists between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. We will battle on behalf of God's kingdom. We will battle on behalf of Jesus Christ as we have that encounter with him that will wash away fear, reluctance, resistance, a sense of hesitancy. What will grow in us is a sense of urgency and zeal to proclaim Jesus Christ because we have encountered him. If that's foreign to you, go before the Lord in prayer. Read scripture. Go to adoration. Fall on your knees in your own room and cry out and say, Lord, I want an encounter with you that will change me from the inside out. Lord, please, with that guy, what Tom is talking about, I want that and more. I want, I want, I want a St. Philip Neri overwhelming experience. St. Philip Neri, 16th century cardinal. But before he was ever there, the apostle of Rome, he, um, he was praying in the catacombs. And that place of prayer, that place of, well, of death and of coming death, and that was where the Holy Spirit entered him like a ball of fire. And it was so overwhelming to him. He was crying out to God, relent, relent, back off. It's too much. He was so filled with overflowing with the fire of the Spirit. And there's a hundred stories to tell about St. Philip Neri. I'm not going to tell them right now. His feast day is coming up in one month. That'll be a great day to talk about St. Philip Neri. Suffice it to say right now that it was from that encounter that everything changed for him that will happen for you as well. So ask the Lord to go deeper into that real life-giving encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, when that happens, we then are ready, willing, able, longing, desiring to go forth and be useful to him in conversation with others in how we live our lives. And so those are the stories I've been talking about. And the last one I just mentioned before the break was, when you wake up in the morning, don't just say, Lord, I'm available to use me if you want to. Rather, say, Lord, I'm going to say something about you unless you stop me. Lord, I'm going to uh, engage with those that I meet in a way that brings you into the conversation unless you stop me. That's a whole other level of zeal. That's a whole other level of conviction. That is a whole other level of saying, well, of course, wherever I go, Christ, who is alive in me, is going to want to reach out to those loved ones that are all around me, that are sometimes hiding, in the words of St. Teresa of Calcutta, in a distressing disguise. And it's hard for us. We get repulsed by distressing disguises often. Me, maybe I won't say you, but isn't it easy to get a little turned off by the distressing disguises of some of those who we are engaging with. And 
um, I, I just I share that with you just to say that when we say, Lord, I'm going to say something unless you stop me. It's rooted in this conviction that says, no matter what is presented in front of me, no matter how distressing, I still have this fundamental conviction that the living Lord longs to touch the hearts and lives of the least, the lost, and the last. And the least, the lost, and the last are not often the most pretty, the most put together, the ones who are easy to receive and engage in conversation. So I leave that to you. I leave that to you as just a, another sense of um, the way in which we can approach this idea that you, yes, you, today, will have an opportunity to witness to Jesus Christ. Maybe in the quiet prayer that you pray for someone, maybe in a simple word that you speak to them, maybe in a more engaging level of some deed you do for them, um, or a more extensive conversation you have with them, right? These are all ways, uh, maybe by praying with them, right? That's something that is probably a little bit more than just the typical one. You can at least pray for them, if not with them, right? Okay. Last story is about this clash of the kingdoms, right? It's not as if the kingdom of God is just um, rolling forward and it's not going to encounter resistance. No, no, no. It is intensely being resisted in the moment in which we're living. I mean, it always has because this world is under the domination of the demonic. It's under the the dominion of Satan, which has been overthrown by Jesus Christ, but is not yet, the victory has not yet been fully won. That doesn't happen until Christ returns. This is why I would be very happy if Christ returned. Um, And so in the meantime, (laughs) it's fruitful labor, like St. Paul said. Uh, If we're not with the Lord, this means fruitful labor for us right now. But it also means battle. It also means Ephesians 6, that we are in a spiritual war. And there are demons that hate us and will attempt to get at us through our most vulnerable places. Satan hates us. Satan hates family. Satan hates innocent, uh, the the beauty of uh, little babies who are so vulnerable. Satan will attempt to savage and attack and destroy human life and families. Satan will attempt to attack uh, the, the church. And we better enter into our day also with our eyes wide open that if we are acting in ways that are making ourselves vulnerable to the demonic, the demonic might become more manifest. It's one of those things, C.S. Lewis, uh, he references this in his Screwtape Letters. He talks about, in the Screwtape Letters, you you probably know there's Wormwood um, who is um, learning how to be a, a, a demon that will tempt a particular soul that has been assigned to him, uh, this patient. And he is he's being taught by his uncle, a higher-up demon, how to best accomplish this. And one of the things that he learns from this higher-up uncle demon, more senior demon, is that, um, that in times that are materialist, 
meaning in times that don't believe in the realm of the supernatural, it is the current it is the strategy of the demonic to stay hidden. Like let's not bring it out into the open that there's a spiritual world. Um, and so that is that was being referenced in in that book and it goes on to be saying more than that one of the things that basically says in in the screw tape letters beyond that is that in times where the demonic is is openly acknowledged and it's not hidden denied or presented in some kind of uh clownish scarecrow uh, uh straw man not scarecrow <laughs> straw man uh approach then the the demonics uh the, the realm of the demonic becomes more manifest to attempt to frighten to attempt to terrorize to attempt to frustrate to harass and that's my last story from for today um from another daughter of mine was um she started talking to me about the demonic and a couple of manifestations that were happening around her in her home and as I heard her tell the story, she had, she had texted me, hey, Dad, you know, how real is this? And so um, I ended up sending her. When I heard the story, I was like, yeah, you are being harassed. Let's get you some prayers to pray. So I took some pictures um, out of the book, uh, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity, and sent them to her. I also um, committed to sending her some epiphany water, right? Epiphany water is that, uh, it's holy water, but it's been specially blessed with this special set of exorcisms and prayers to bless this water, which uh, exorcists have identified as having a particularly uh, uh, more profound effect um, in, in use um, in uh, instances of deliverance and exorcism. And so I'm like, I'm going to get you some of this water. You need to bless your house, the house you're living in, bless yourself, and we're going to need to start removing from your life things that could be open doors to these manifestations. And um, she was very appreciative of the, of the conversation. All right, I'm up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to read... I'm going to read a prayer. I'm going to pray one of these prayers for deliverance just as a way of acknowledging again the the reality that we live in the midst of a battle. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It is great to be with you today. So today on the program, I'm reflecting on the reality of the, the gospel going forth into the world. This is the Great Commission, and too often, sadly, it has become more um, more characterized by the great omission. How many of us think about day to day the idea that the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, the, the God of heaven and earth, sees you, knows you, knows what you're about, and is intending to be at work through you and your thoughts, words, and deeds. He's going to be at work through you today. And to, to wonder how that's going to be manifest is really quite striking. Well, one of the ways that it might become manifest is by engaging in spiritual battle. And one of the ways that we can all appropriately 
in accord with our state in life, our situation in life. If you're baptized, you're a child of God. And so you can pray with authority because you're part of the body of Christ. You can call upon Jesus Christ and his power over the demonic, and you're called to engage in a battle. Now, you stop and say, well, why doesn't the Lord just take care of this on his own? Well, why does he need us to pray certain prayers and to pray them in the right way and all of this? Seems a little bit ticky-tacky. One of the things that really bothered me was uh, referees in in the basketball season that would call what we call ticky-tacky fouls, right? It's like, oh, really? Is that a foul? Like, this is the fifth game where I'm watching these girls play this way, and no one else was calling those very things as fouls. But you're calling them as a foul tonight. So I don't really care for that. That's kind of ticky-tacky, right? (laughs) It impacts the game when you get called for a foul like that. And and you might stop and think, well, why is the Lord being so ticky-tacky about, you know, if you don't pray these deliverance prayers, then, you know what, the realm of the demonic is going to have a a greater sway over this person's life or this space or this relationship or this aspect of someone's life? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I sense. Here's what my prayer and my reading and my study have led me to on this is that God honors our cooperation in bringing about his purposes in shocking ways. Let me say that again. God honors the reality that he has chosen us to not only be elevated into children of God, but to be cooperators, co-laborers, with God himself. He doesn't need us, but he's chosen to. He's chosen to, to put into our hands certain blessings, certain spiritual graces, gifts, uh, uh, certain, certain things become opened or other things closed, certain things become shut down, other things become made possible through our involvement, through our prayer. Through our yes. So when it comes to deliverance prayers, it's in part, I believe, the reality that the Lord's saying, I've given you freedom. I've given you eyes to see, ears to hear. I've given you the plain truth of the gospel and the teaching of the church to interpret it. I've given you places to go where you can get insight into what's being asked of you. Now it's just time to step up to the plate and take a swing. It's your turn. You got to get in the game. Get in the game. So the Lord is 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 kind of like my coaching. <laughs> I'd say some of these girls. I'm like, look. I said I'm not going to be disappointed in you. Uh, I said uh, if you go in into the game and you make a pass and it gets stolen, you take a shot and you miss. I said I'm going to be disappointed in you if you don't get in the game. I know you don't feel confident. I know you don't feel ready. I know you don't feel equipped and you don't want to let your team down. I said, the only way you can let your team down is if you don't get in the game. And boy, that really helped because I'm actually characterizing a a real conversation I've had um, one time very close to that and a number of times similar to that over the course of the season when there was a newer player who just hadn't figured stuff out yet. And it was like, get in the game. Just get in there and try it. So 
I'm going to try it. I'm going to pray this deliverance prayer because you know what? There are people out there listening, some of you listening, and some of you right now may be feeling a bit harassed by something that just might be weirdly more than ordinary kind of weirdness. There's a an extra degree of weirdness or intensity or ferocity or extent of a particular sense of um, something's off, right? All of that, those ways of circling around, there might be more than just human brokenness at work. That could also be demonic involvement. And so let's get involved with a Catholic Christian way of engaging in spiritual warfare through praying deliverance prayers. So I'm going to pray this prayer of command. Actually, I'm going to pray a sealing prayer of protection first. Isn't that cool? Again, that's part of that whole sense of cooperation and collaboration. I ask Jesus to seal me in his most precious blood against any and all incursions of the evil one, in particular against any clinging, familiar, familial, or retaliating spirits. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I'm going to pray that prayer for you now. I ask Jesus to seal those who are listening to me right now. In your most precious blood, Jesus, against any and all incursions of the evil one, in particular against any clinging, familial, familiar, or retaliating spirits, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then a prayer of command. In his name and by the power of his cross and blood, I ask and we ask Jesus to bind any evil spirits, forces, and powers of the earth, air, fire, or water, of the netherworld and the satanic forces of nature. By the power of the Holy Spirit and by his authority, I ask and we ask Jesus Christ to break any curses, hexes, or spells, and send them back to where they came from, if it be his holy will. I beseech and we beseech thee, Lord Jesus, to protect us by pouring thy precious blood on us and on our families and on our possessions, our relationships, our vehicles, our finances, our ministries, our jobs, our educational realities, our past, our present, and our future. Thy precious blood, which thou hast shed for us, and I ask and we ask thee to command that any departing spirits leave quietly, without disturbance, and go straight to thy cross to dispose of as thou seest fit. I ask and we ask thee to bind any demonic interaction, interplay, or communications. And I place and we place 
Here we place people, places, and things under the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ, which he shed for us. Amen. And so I place and we place our family members, all of those that are under our authority, our parents, our spouses, our siblings, our children, uh, and our nieces and nephews, and anyone else, Lord, that uh, is appropriate under that, uh, under that guidance of the church as well as, Lord, all of the places where they dwell, the places where they will travel this day, their physical conditions, their mental, spiritual, emotional well-being, their relationships, Lord, their jobs, their educations, their finances, their ministries, their vocations, their future, Lord, their salvation, all that they are and all that they have, Lord, under the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ, which he shed for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, that's a deliverance prayer for use by the laity. Um, it is These prayers are pulled together by Father Chad Ripiker, and it's published by Census Traditionis Press. Census Traditionis Press. Deliverance prayers for use by the laity. And you know what? I, I shared with you those... So I, I shared that prayer with my daughter along with some other prayers in that book um, on deliverance and on healing um, and you know what I'm, I'm confident she'll be praying these prayers and that that's going to break up some strongholds some footholds some harassments and uh, the presence of the Lord will uh, will be established that's the king that's kingdom work that's kingdom work that's what we're about in the Easter season all right I'm up against the end of my program Proclaim God's kingdom today. You are his evangelist. He's risen from the dead, and he's at work through you. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.